Lord, that we can sing of your goodness. And you are so, so good to us, Lord. We've experienced your goodness, Lord, in the rain that is falling. And help us appreciate which you have given to us this day. And we pray that it continues throughout the day, Lord, that the rain that we have here will flow over this mountain into the dry, arid regions beyond. That every farmer will rejoice, Lord, as you touch his land with your goodness and with your grace. We thank you, Lord. We glorify you that you reign upon us today as well, that your Holy Spirit touches each one of us and ignites within us a fire, Lord, that the world cannot quench. As you reign in us, Lord God, thank you that you are able to not only change us, but to use us. And we declare today, Lord, we are willing to be the church, to be your hands and feet and to love your people and to go, Lord, where others are afraid to go because we know the God who goes before us. And we draw on your strength, Lord. We bring ourselves before you and we say, without you, Lord, we are nothing. But where you are, Lord, that's where we want to be. And your word says the spirit of the Lord is freedom. And where there's freedom, there's the spirit. And we want the freedom that comes with the spirit, Lord God. So this morning, we ask, have your way in us. We glorify you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Thanks to the team. Well done. Um, yeah, give them a... It's looking a little bit sparse this morning, almost like grandma's teeth. One here and one there, you know, but welcome, it's awesome. We always expect a little bit of a smaller crowd when, when there's wet weather. I don't know what it is about the people in George. I mean, they're still okay, the Muscle Bay guys, I don't know. They, like, see a cloud. There's only two of them here this morning. But it's a busy weekend. The Pekka Rally's on. Guys are ministering there, and there's a lot of other events that have been happening. We had Etienne and Nicolai's wedding yesterday. Um, that was amazing. We had the movie night on Friday, and that was amazing. If you didn't see the movie on Friday, you missed out. It was real tearjerker, and um, but makes you think about life. Now, before I get into the message, we got a very special family uh, that has decided they um, are going to be emigrating to Australia. Of all places in the world they could choose, they want to become Aussies. But it's for the good of the family. They've been blessed with an awesome opportunity there. So will the Van der Merwe mates please come up? I don't know how you're going to cope there with a Van der Merwe fun. <laughs> Let's just pray over them. Sian, <coughs> Shelley, Danelle, and where's Domain? Skipping Church? Oh, my goodness. They've been involved with the Bikers Church family in East London, and then they moved here. How many years ago was it? Three, it feels like 17. <laughs> um, they heavy maintenance, these this lot, you know. Keep us busy, only joking, they're good people. But like I said, they've been given this amazing opportunity and um, it will give them more time together as a family and also open up opportunities for the kids in the future as well. Um, so we just want to pray over you and thank the Lord for who you are and what he's done in your life. Can we just stretch out our hands towards them? Lord, thank you so much for these precious people. We just ask, Lord, that indeed you've made a way bef uh, before them and a, a way for them, Lord, to, to have and experience new things and to have a new opportunity in life. And we ask, Lord, that what they've 
learned here what has been imparted in their lives will grow that side that they will go over and they'll be instruments of change they will take what is already in their hearts and live it out there and bring people into a relationship with you lord we just trust that they're not only going over there for a good job but they're going over there with a mission that comes from on high and i pray for this family i pray that you be the glue that holds them together and that they would grow stronger in you as they grow closer to you I pray especially for Shelly, the mom, that she would stand firm, Lord, and just be the, the love that this family will need as they adjust. And then we pray for the spiritual leader in the home, that Sian will indeed, Lord, lead from the front because he's got peace in his heart and he's got time to spend with you. May they be blessed, Lord, as you encourage them and as you love them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well done, guys. Enjoy it. And you better invite us over. Go on your account. <laughs> Cheers. Love you all. Okay. Into this morning's message. Um, are you ready? Okay. This isn't going to be an easy one. Okay. Some of you might want to run. Some of you might want to hide. But stick it out. You see, we don't often start a message this way that a lot of the people sitting here this morning are going to hell. You don't often hear that in church, do you? Uh, because it doesn't fill pews, and it doesn't bring people back the next week. But churches need to hear this. We need to once in a while at least discuss the topic of hell, and are you sure where you are going? You see, in your life, you've got facts, and you've got fiction. Fact is something that's beyond a doubt. You cannot refute it. It is the truth. And then you've got fiction, which is a perceived truth, something that is not real. And in a believer's life, we have these two aspects as well. Is your salvation fact, or is your salvation fiction? And unfortunately, for a lot of people, it is sometimes fiction because their salvation is tied up in a sinner's prayer which they likely made in an emotional state and in that state they invited Jesus in to live in them but they never cleaned the house the house is still a pigsty and Jesus doesn't do pigsties he wants to live in a spiritual mansion and he leaves it up to us once you invite him in to clean out and if we don't clean out, we just drift back to where we were. And a lot of believers are still where they were. They haven't turned from their wicked ways. They haven't genuinely repented. And they haven't sought the things of God to grow in God. And they are who they were. They've never replaced the junk in their life with the glory and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of them read their Bible, some of them pray, some of them come to church, some of them might even post Christian things on Facebook, some of you might even have a tattoo that says I love Jesus, you might even wear a cross, but you see the outside matters for naught, what is happening on the inside, because this is where it counts. One thing that I'm absolutely convinced of because the Bible says so, is that one day every single person will give account 
for their life. And Jesus knows this, obviously knows it. But if you see in his advancement towards Jerusalem for the crucifixion, it seems to be that it, it weighs heavier and heavier on his mind. And he knows those who are following him, the 12 and those beyond the 12, are going to be judged. He knows all those who would come afterwards are going to be judged. And he knows that everyone sitting here today will be judged. And it's, it seems as if this is so on his mind that he wants to make 110% sure that everyone understands the times that are coming. And from Matthew 23 onwards, as he makes his way towards Jerusalem, he, talks, he starts to teach and talk more on the topic of what is to come. He starts warning believers of the signs of the times. He tells us over and over again on, in story upon story of we need to make sure how we are and who we are in him. We need to know if he lives in us or not. And he basically sums it all up and he says, listen here, people, followers, live ready. Just live ready. That's the simplest way you can put it. Live as if I'm coming back today. Many of us don't. In Matthew 25, he tells the story of the ten virgins. And the virgins represent the people of God, those who have been made pure and holy by his blood. But even amongst these ten, he says there's five wise and there's five foolish. Unfortunately, in the modern-day church, that statistic is probably two wise and eight foolish. But he indicates that this is what we need to be observing, we need to be aware of, and we need to take into account. Are you the five who's got oil in the lamp? Or are you, as a believer, the one who's got a lamp? You think you got Jesus, but there's no oil in your lamp. Who are you? You see, the five with the oil in the lamp had the assurance that they were going when Jesus comes. The other five thought they were going. But as the story unfolds, you'll see how they miss out. Because they had the lamp, but they had no oil. And when midnight came and the shout went out, here comes the bridegroom, Jesus is coming. The five turned up their lamps so their light shone all the more brighter. They turned it up. Jesus could see these people. They were really that city on the hill that could not be hidden because their lives burned so brightly. He knew they had truly repented. They had turned. They had matured in Christ. The other five, however, they possibly attended the temple every day. They prayed. They might have even helped the poor and, and took care of the, the needy. They could have done all of these things. They might even have been part of a life group. Who knows? Yet, when the call goes out, they're running around looking for oil, thinking they should be going with Jesus. But they miss it completely because they did not live ready. They were poor in spirit. And when the crunch came, they stayed. And the five wise went. People, 
which group are you in this morning? Is your lamp truly full? Are you maturing in Christ? Are you living a righteous life? Jesus goes on to tell another story about the gold given to three people. And one gets five bags and one gets three bags and one gets only one. And right there, many of us get stuck. Why has he got three and I've only got one? Why this? Why that? And we don't realize we got gold. doesn't matter how much of the gold we got. We got gold. We've got the sacrifice of Jesus. We've got the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We have salvation. We have got gold. But we're so concerned about how much gold the others got that we lose what we had. You see, at the end of the day, we've all got a job to do. Some might need more gifts because their work is a little bit more intense. But at the end of the day, we've all got gold. We've all got God. Let's rest in that. Let's stop comparing ourselves to other people and compare ourselves to Christ because the more you become like him, the more gold you'll have available to you. The problem is, though, that the ones with the five and the three bags of gold go and they make it grow. Okay? They actually invest it. They make the gift, the grace, the glory grow in their lives. But many of the people sitting in our church have taken that bag of gold and we've buried it in the ground. And then Jesus comes back and we want to dig up in the ground and we want to take the soiled, dirty bag that is our life and we want to give that dirty bag to Jesus. Isn't this what we do? Isn't this how we live? Our lives are actually soiled and dirty because we've taken what is given us and we've buried it in the ground instead of living it out, instead of being a difference, instead of being the church to the lost and the broken. Jesus goes further because he wants to make sure they get this. And he tells the story about the goats and the sheep. You see, everyone's gathered in heaven. Everyone. And they're about to be judged. Jesus starts to separate them, some to the left and some to the right. Imagine the apprehension in some people, not knowing which way are they going to be sent. Imagine watching Jesus walking towards you and you are trembling in fear and you're not filled with a blessed assurance because you know your life was not as it should be. And he walks towards you and he's paining. He's, he's got this... I can't even express what Jesus must be feeling as he looks at you and he knows he's got to send you to the left and not to the right. And there's people standing there thinking, I'm okay, I'm going to the right. And Jesus looks you in the eye and he just shakes his head and he says, go that way. And you cry out, why Lord, why me? I've served you, I've loved you, I've asked you into my heart. Why am I going to the left? And Jesus is going to turn around and walk the other way. He might while you're standing there devastated and absolutely shocked, tell you, like it says in Matthew 25, verse 41 to 43, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, 
into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. And you're going to ask, when, Lord, when was this? And the answer will be, every day of your life, that's when. But we think Jesus only spoke about the end, towards the end of his walk on earth. But he started right at the beginning of his ministry. And he warned us, and he spoke to us about this. And he starts with a sermon on the mount. He starts talking these things. Because you see, I today can put this on. And I can have my gloves, I can have my bat, I can have my pads on, I can have everything we need to protect us. That doesn't mean I can open for the spring box, or the proteas, sorry. Does it? I can look the part. On the outside, I look the part. I won't even get a place in a local team, never mind the spring box. It doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. What is happening on the inside? Do I have the ability? Do I have the gifting? Do I have the eye-hand coordination to be the cricketer of note? Do I, as a person of God, have everything on the inside that I need to walk in His glory and in His grace? Or am I just pretending? Do I look at the part on the outside? I raise my hand in worship. I come forward. I pray for other people. I attend spiritual things. I do all of these things. But on the inside, am I really a believer? So Jesus starts in Matthew verse 5 and He says, you know, to be mine... You need to be meek. You need to be seeking righteousness. Uh, you need to be merciful. You need to be pure in heart. And he goes on and he tells us, you have to be different. You've got to be the salt and you've got to be the light. He teaches us how to pray, how to fast, how to behave, how to believe, how to build treasures up in heaven. And he's basically saying to us, it's all about relationship with me. You need to go deeper with me. You see, Jesus is saying it doesn't matter what's happening on the outside. What's happening on the inside? That's what counts. That will determine is it fact or is it fiction that you are a believer? He says to us, you need to ask. You need to seek and you need to knock. In Matthew 7 verse 7 to 8 it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives. And those who seek find. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Sometimes we seek and we ask. But we need to be knocking. And when we knock and the door's opened, we need to step through. You see, we need to get through that narrow gate. The problem is, we ask, we seek, and we knock. And when the door's opened, we want to stay this side, 
We want to be on the outside, but expect everything that is on the inside. And Jesus is saying to you, step through. I've opened the door. You don't go visit someone's house, do you? Knock on the door when they open it, and they say, come in. You say, let's just visit out here. Do you do that? That would be weird. But we do that with Jesus. He opens the door, and we say, it's cool. Can we just visit on the outside? And that's the way we live our lives. So close to Jesus, yet not by him. Knock, people. Knock. And the door will be opened. But you've got to step through it. You can't live your relationship on the outside. You've got to get through that narrow gate. Once you're through that gate, Jesus is concerned about us still. And he says, look here, you've got to be clever. You've got to be discerning. In fact, you need my Holy Spirit to now help you with your work. Because you see, there's going to be false prophets. There's going to be people who must lead you. They're going to, they're going to, to tell you things that are soft in your ears. They're going to twist my message just a little bit. You're going to believe all of this stuff but you're going to be misled. But if you are on that side of the door and you're walking with me, my Holy Spirit will guide you. I will tell you what is true and what is not true. I will be the one who says to you, walk this way and not that way. Because the time is coming when not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You see, we get so many people who are being misled by the church. We get so many people who are being fooled by the devil thinking they're okay. Because they hear it in churches. Just give your life. And Jesus is saying, no, live the life. You see, it's not about giving. It's about living. It's about the relationship. It's not a sinner's prayer. It's the relationship. It starts with a prayer. But what do you do thereafter? That is what matters. Because only the ones who are doing the will of my Father will enter heaven. And the will of the Father is that you become like His Son, that you grow in your relationship. So, we need to enter the gate then, don't we? We need to completely accept Jesus to fulfill the Father's will. Otherwise, you're building your house on sand. And the first storm that comes along, the very first one will damage your house might even destroy it. If you manage to survive that storm, the next one will come until your house fall, falls because your foundation is weak. You never entered the door. You see, people, I told you last week how important it is reading the Word of God, spending time with people of God. Because you see in here, in this book, that is made up of 66 books, this is the will of the Father. You do this, you are secure. But then you've got to read this to know what it says. And too many of us are depending on the pastor. We've got no real relationship with the Father through the Word because it's too much effort. I don't have time in the morning. I'm too busy. You want to live the, wo the Word. You've got to know the Word, and the Word's got to be in you. We've got to get into the Word of God, absorb it, make it part of us until we live out what the Word says. It's pretty clear. Jesus is not making it complicated. 
It's a simple word. Do you know what makes it even simpler? When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, because then you've got understanding, insight, and the wisdom you need to not only receive this, but to live it out. You see, we can summarize the will of the Father. Okay? We can summarize it from 1 John 3, 19 to 24. And it says there, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him and this is his command here it comes to believe in the name of his son jesus christ and to love one another as he has commanded us the one who keeps god's commands lives in him and he in them and this is how we know that he lives in us we know it by the spirit he's given us So you're able to know. You're able to distinguish fact from fiction because in your heart of hearts, you know this morning. You know. If you're feeling a little bit condemned or if you've got a seed of doubt, you know. A heart tells the truth about our relationship with Jesus but are you going to listen to your heart are you this morning going to check that there's oil in your lamp see the lamp is Jesus and the oil is the Holy Spirit and they enable you to follow God's commands what are you going to do with what your heart is telling you? Are you going to the left? Or are you destined for the right? Your heart knows. And now that you know, God asks you, what are you going to do about it? Because you see, Having knowledge is one thing. Acting on it, that's completely different. So you need to be disciplined this morning. And the first thing you're going to need to do is take action. People, you need to get Jesus. Not know of him, but have him in you. You in me. I and you, me in them. Jesus says he wants to live on the inside. We've got to clean the house. We've got to invite him in. You need to take action this morning. And then you need to spend time in the word and in prayer because that's how you get to know God. That's how you get to know what his will is. That is how you get equipped to live out his purpose for your life. You've got to get into the Word and you've got to get praying. Then you've got to spend time 
doing spiritual things, getting with spiritual people, attending church, joining a life group. God uses a multitude of tools to equip the people he loves. But we neglect the very things he puts in our hands as a tool to grow us. And we come up with a list of excuses. I can't do life group. I can't attend church. I can't go to that. I can't go to this. I pray that one day you can at least get to heaven. But if you're not investing in you and in your relationship with him, that's unlikely. And then lastly, you've got to be led by the Spirit. Oh, just by the way, you've got to love other people as well. Okay? That's pretty important. Okay? Love God and love others as you love yourself. Just look around. How many people are here this morning that you need to love? How many people are out there that need your love? You see, you can only be love when you have love. When you've entered that gate and you've received from the Father, then only are you able to go out and give. Then lastly, you need to be led by the Spirit. Man, we've got so many people who hear the Word, but we've got to be doers of the Word. And the Holy Spirit talks to us when we must do, how we must do it, and who we must do it to. But you need the Holy Spirit within you, guiding you, filling you, and flowing out of you. Too many believers are doing this in their own strength and not in His power. So this morning, as the praise and worship team comes back, God has stirred your heart. I know he has. Because in preparing, he stirred mine deeply. And he's spoken to you. And your heart has told you this morning where you are in Christ Jesus. Which one of the ten virgins are you? What have you done with your bag of gold? Are you going to the left or are you going to the right? He's asked you the question this morning and has given you the answer. Is your relationship with him fact or is it fiction? And I ask, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about what he has laid upon your heart? Because that will determine the rest of your life. The decision you make today. It's going to require we be honest. It's going to require that we be bold and it's going to require that we be humble and we put him ahead of ourselves. It's going to require you to stand up now and say, I need to make sure. I want what you've been talking about. I know I haven't been living the right life. I don't even know Jesus like this, but I want him. It's going to take this morning people who love Jesus more than what they than what they that other than what other people think about them. That they're more concerned about him than about others. That they are willing to give everything to him, realizing this morning it's his due. And I need to be in Jesus. That's where I belong. It's him who I need. And without him I'm lost. And if you are that person this morning, I'm gonna ask you right now to be bold and to stand. And if there's people listening at home and there's people going to be viewing this, you've got the opportunity now as well to stand where you are and say, I need Jesus. 
So if that's you, I'm going to ask you, stand up now. If you want to make sure, if you are uncertain about your salvation, if there's an element of doubt in your life, now's the time to come confidently before your God. Let's close our eyes. Lord, thank you so much that, Lord, you're not a God who disappoints, but you're a God who empowers, but you're a God who gives us a choice. And this morning, standing before you is people who have answered your call this morning, who have heard the truth, and they said, Lord, come set me free. I want the assurance of my salvation, Lord God. I've walked in the dark for far too long. I've been living in the half light and I want to come into your glorious light this morning. People just raise your hands and say the following. Here I am, Lord. I give myself to you and I welcome you into my life now. Help me, Lord, to become new, to leave the old, and to live out your plan for my life. Thank you that this morning you dispel doubt and you give me the blessed assurance that I need to live life and to live life abundantly. To you this morning, Lord, I give the glory, I give the honor, I give you everything, Lord, because you are so deserving. Thank you for my changed life. Thank you this morning. I've stepped through the gate and I can expect to be different, to feel different, and to do things differently because now you are in me and I, Lord, am in you. Glory, hallelujah, Lord. Glory, hallelujah. Amen.